Hi everyone and welcome to Spark Leadership. I'm Wendy Tsepisomaledu, a senior behavioral scientist at Coach Hub and the host of this show. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Gregory Pennington about his book, Your Leadership Signature. Dr. Pennington is a leadership development consultant who focuses on accelerating and elevating the effectiveness of leaders, teams, and organizations. With over 30 years of experience, Gregory has served in internal and external roles in a wide range of companies, organizations, and associations across industries. His personal and professional missions blend together to keep him focused on making a difference. We'll talk about how leaders can make a difference, what it means to have a conscious effort and intention behind leadership, and how to develop your own leadership signature. I am so humbled and delighted to have you on the show. A warm welcome on the show, Dr. Pennington. Thank you very much. I'm, I feel the same warm and welcome. So I look forward to this. Thank you so much. So one of the extending features of the show, uh, Doctor, is that our guests share one interesting fun fact at, about themselves at the beginning, and we wrap up the show with future predictions. So can you please share with our listeners one interesting fun fact about yourself or any fact that you'd like to share with us? Well, of course, I had to figure out what's the one, and i tell you the most present one for me now is that I actually have been an ever-learning student of judo, and I'm still competing. I've been doing this for a long time. Next year will be 60 years since I started judo, so I'm still trying to find a way of getting this just right. Oh, wow. 60 years and you're still trying to get it right? (laughs) Yes, because, you know, as soon as you get it right, the other person doesn't cooperate. So you got to start over again. Sure. But what's the secret? What has kept you to doing this discipline for 60 years? Well, I think for me, it has been um, thinking of it as a long-term journey of constantly learning and then also you know, quite honestly, Wendy, along the way, listening to your body, if if it hurts, maybe you want to back off a little bit. So, and then now I've just been real clear about if I really want to go out here and have a compete with someone, I want to make sure I'm in kind of the same age group, same kind of weight classification. It's a mixture of hump, humility, and then both listening to your body and recognizing that um, some people really might be a little bit better than you are. So constantly learning and taking a break when you need to take a break. And I don't know, the other part of it is seeing it as a way to have fun and not to prove some point of being better than anyone else. Talk about lifelong learning. I am truly inspired uh, to know that we we will never stop learning, right? I mean, if it's 60 years and one would think this is mastery level, right? (laughs) But just your humility, as you've said, to just say we keep learning and we never stop learning. Thank you for that. It's inspiring. So let's start our conversation. I mean, you've been working on the subject of leadership and you've been a leader yourself for many decades now. Please share with us what sparked your interest in leadership. I would say the spark, um, in some ways you think of, of it as ongoing. And so the ongoing part for me was just a fascination with, you know, what's making a person tick. I can sort of remember even in elementary school, just being more on the introvert side and 
but a pretty active introvert in a sense, Wendy, of I want to observe people and I want to wonder why did Wendy do what she just did and why did she say that? So I think there was always this interesting uh, curiosity about why people did what they did and what difference it made in terms of impacting others. And then um, there was another moment in college, and I'll give the short version of which is that when I went to college, I thought it was going to be some sort of community activist and change the world. And this protest that we were doing at, at college at the time just didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. And I thought, wow, it takes, it takes a different kind of effort to change the institution, to change the system. But there's a part of that change that really is impacted by individuals and I just thought for a variety of reasons, I had this real affinity to connecting one-on-one and getting people to think through things and feel through things and ultimately do something different. So I sort of went behind the scenes, might be another way of thinking about it, that if we're going to make some changes, maybe I can be whispering in the ear of that person who in turn impacts others. That is so fascinating for me there, Dr. Pennington, because you mentioned something interesting about being an active introvert, right? Because I think we often see introverts, especially in the leadership space, like, oh, no, you know, most leaders are extroverts. And I think I like how you just described an active introvert showing up into leadership. So that for me has just it intrigued me and it's it's beautifully said. So let's just talk about this whole subject of leadership. I mean, it's a big subject. Many scholars have tried to define what leadership is and, and stuff. So what is your definition of leadership? And probably maybe share with us what, what school of thought informed your definition of leadership, if maybe. Yeah, for me, I boiled leadership down to defining it as the intentional execution of influence on how others feel, think, and behave. And those words are pretty purposeful because I do think you know, leadership isn't accidental, so that's why I say intentional. Leadership isn't academic or theoretical, that's why I say execution. Um, leadership really is an exercise of power, and dependent upon how you were raised and, and a number of other things, people don't necessarily admit in public that they are motivated by power. So a more comfortable euphemism for that is influence or, or impact. So that intentional execution of influence, leaving room for someone to say, well, my influence comes because by title I'm doctor or by title I'm president. My influence comes because Wendy and I go back, way back to school. My influence. So where the influence comes from um, is still open in that definition. And I do think there's a range of how people... Uh, are impacted from the way they feel, then think, and behave. And, I mean, that part of it is probably most formed by some psychology research that we first uh, experience something in that feeling realm, and then we try to push it up to that part of our of our brain that's uh, not automatic in its responses and that part of the brain that's saying that, hmm, that feeling felt good. I do. I do want to have it again. That feeling. So that that cognitive part, and then after that, in an ideal setting, then I behave as opposed to I react, and then I think about it, and then I feel it. So that 
I mean, that's the shortest sentence I can come up with that covers a lot. And if I'm looking for a generic, uh, wide-ranging definition, that's what it would be. Interesting. And do you want to share more? I mean, what, what informed this school of thoughts? Certainly my experience informed it. Um, I think in my psychology background, I was certainly gravitating to what we would call cognitive behavior. You know, you have to think about things before you do it. And if you want to change things, you think about the consequences and the choices. And there's a, there's a certain amount of ownership, I think, goes into that framework that's informing that dis- that decision that I don't think I want to give anybody credit for accidentally, you know, getting us to change the direction. So that's why it's that intentionality part of it. And even though I'm a psychologist, I've probably been as much of a student of business research and and, uh, both mass media and otherwise. So case studies and what people say, leaders by title, what they say and upon reflecting on what their companies have done. Well, you know, another one I would tell you, if you look at my signature on my emails, I always end with uh, best effort. So a huge part of what I think about is driven by this body of research called attribution theory, Carol Dweck, uh, growth mindset. The core of all of that is that the out of all the things that contribute to outcomes, you know, luck, chance, and economic environment, the one thing that we can consistently control is the amount of effort we put into it. So that's probably a really, really visible underpinning of what I was describing to you, that once I lay out my choices, I can decide. And then the ingredient of changing an organization around is related to what effort we want to put into it, what resources we want to put into it, what risk are we willing to take. Those should be conscious and intentional decisions. And in all of that back and forth, someone keeps pushing us, ourselves included, pushes us to... um, what are you going to do? And that's where I talk about the effort piece. So what I'm enjoying about this conversation and your definition is the fresh perspective you're bringing in the definition around intentionality, right? That leadership is a conscious effort. Because I think a lot of time we have this thing that, oh, leadership is just influence. And there's no part of a leader, you know, to be intentional about it. But I think you're introducing interesting elements there in your definition around intentionality, around choices, the choice that you need to make and the big part of effort, right? Because sometimes we look at great leaders and we admire them as if they're not making an effort, you know, to be the great leader that they want or choose to be. But I think I'm loving the fact that you're just talking about it's an intentional effort um, to execute. And there's a lot of action aligned to it, but also the choice of the use of influence and power, however that looks like. So thank you for that fresh perspective of just, you know, defining leadership from a different school of thought, right? I think it's things we know, but I think you've just brought weight to it when you talk about being intentional as a leader, the choices you're making and the effort you need to apply as a leader. Well, yeah, and thank you for that feedback. And just a quick addition to it. I was in a coaching session yesterday and and the manager was talking about challenges with one of her direct reports. And we ended up talking about you know, what is that direct report trying to accomplish? What are their intentions? And it was pretty eye-opening and to get to the question mark of whether or not that direct report was trying to prove something. 
or to improve something. And that intentionality has different consequences. Is that direct report trying to prove that they're smarter than you? Or are they trying to improve the decision that you're jointly making? And just the beginning of that, what is your intention? Uh, has some implications about what you actually say and do and how do you respond after that. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Dr. Gregory Pennington. Now that we've touched upon the importance of effort and intention behind leadership, I wanted to fast track our conversation to talk about his book, Your Leadership Signature. I was intrigued by the concept of the book and I asked Gregory to share what inspired the book and to give an overview of some of the principles of creating your leadership signature. Yeah, I would say the inspiration of, of it was, you know, if you looked at the research people have done about leadership or even the career path of people in organizations, sometimes they have a, a model that someone's given them. Um, I remember early on when I worked in a financial institution, the president said, um, isn't this the way a president's supposed to act? So there was always that tension, I would say, between what is expected in a given role and what of that role actually fits for me. So that notion of finding your application of leadership, finding your definition of leadership, when people take in reference points, you know, the books, the models, the, the, um, the examples of others, I really think of them as reference points. So, hmm, there's a circumstance in which Judy was able to do that. Here's an instance in which Wendy did it in a certain way. That doesn't mean I'm going to be able to do it in the same way he did or she did. So I've, I always thought that the path, and similar to my own path, has been what of what I see can possibly done by me in a way that fits my strengths. So that's kind of the uh, general driver of it. And the moment of thinking, okay, let me put this in a book in some way or another, was working with this uh, person who had just recently graduated from business school here in the U.S. and was in this leadership development program. And on a sidebar, he said, oh, Dr. P., uh, I don't know if I could do it the way those folks are doing it. And so we started talking about, well, how would you do it? So that was kind of a relief for him in a lot of ways. I can figure out how to do this thing, drive this organization in a way that fits me. So in some ways, it was giving permission to myself and to others and people I've worked with that um, even though you're following some iconic leader, don't overstress yourself into thinking you have to do it exactly the way that other person did it. So that was kind of the driver of it. And I would say if there's an outstanding theme in the book, it starts with by the time you raise these questions about what type of leader I can be and how effective I can be in a leader, I would contend that you've had tons of examples of what you consider to be effective leaders. So the book really takes people, encourages people to go back to think about examples of effective leaders in your past. Name them, put a name and a face on them, Re recount the experience, pause and step back and say, well, why did you choose those three people? What are the thematic patterns that come to, to mind when you put consciously on paper here are the people that uh, represent examples of effective leadership to me. And when you pull it 
pull it apart, analyzing it, it might be slightly different than so-and-so's model of a leadership or so-and-so real-life person in your company that's deemed a successful leader. But the undergirding of it is that you have already had experiences about effective leaders. You've already begun to um, tailor and alter that model in a way that fits you. And once you've done that and been pretty clear about it, figure out how to leverage your strengths going forward. That's kind of the overarching theme that runs throughout it. And then I try to capitalize on probably some categories of leadership that everyone talks about, but maybe put a slightly different spin on it. Um, I do start off, for instance, as saying that, you know, the mission, the why of, of you doing this really matters. And some of that, Wendy, comes from recognizing that some of the people I've coached honestly weren't sure they wanted to be a leader. And kind of a classic example would be a, a terribly successful salesperson made to become manager of sales. And not everyone has really signed up to become a leader. And then not everyone has signed up to become a leader whose mission is purely to drive results. Some people sign up to be a leader because they want to build capacity in others. So it really starts off with what's your why about being a leader? And then I think, and I'll I'll just give you kind of bullet points that I talk about vision, impact, capability, and then the legacy you leave. And I think, I don't know if any of those are, you know, terribly different than what someone else's model would suggest. I spend time talking about vision because oftentimes leaders are told to be more and more strategic and because everyone thinks that, yes, you're supposed to be strategic and they tell me I'm not really strategic and I don't even know what they're talking about when they say strategic, but if I ask them, that's going to prove that I don't know what they're talking about. So I'm trying to get a clearer definition of strategic and for me, that's a bit about vision and and the, and the details of vision, the effort that goes into building vision and being strategic, to me, is really a collection of data. Where do you get information from? Do you have enough information to start connecting dots together? So I'm trying to make it clear about a given element of leadership and then also tactical in some ways about how might you improve your ability to demonstrate that as an example. And then I would jump to the last one about legacy because I... I think to me, the defining, differentiating aspect of an effective leader is that people remember him or her personally, and then they remember and they maintain and they get some generative value out of things that that leader put in place or initiated. If I was to ask people that worked for you, what would they say about you that was effective and lingering? What would they say are the things that you put in place? And, you know, the leader himself or herself should have their list, but more credibly, the people that are came after you are the ones who really should define your legacy, not you. Thank you for sharing those insights and are very, very rich around vision, your legacy. And I think you've also shared a response around effective leader, and I wanted to probably build on it a bit to just share what are some of the things that makes an effective leader, maybe just one or two thoughts to just to build on that. Yeah. The most general thought, I think, is that there's a there's an element of goodness of fit in the situation that makes that leader effective. And, you know, in both 
looking forward, and certainly in in retrospect, people talk about the the confluence of um, you know the conditions, the expectations, the resources, and and then the pace of change or the pace of leadership. So I think when all those things come together, maybe particularly that last one, what's the pace of change that this organization or this person can absorb? And effective leaders have a good sense about in the given time that we have, what's a realistic and impactful goal that we can accomplish. That might be one or two steps along a journey that ends up to being 10 or 12. But in the context, time-wise and resource-wise and so forth, what can I realistically accomplish? So I think you know, effective leaders set realistic and challenging goals that stretch all of us and, and, and contribute to a platform that might be more sustainable or generative you know, in, in their aftermath. Sure. Beautiful. So there's somebody who's listening, probably it's a new leader or is an experienced leader, and they say, I want to build my leadership signature. What are some of the things that you can, you know, share or advise that could help people to develop their leadership signature? Yeah, one of those that I think was kind of eye-opening for me was to um, have my direct reports. I asked them, so if you were, if you were going to mock me, really, that's the way we did it was, I mean, if you were going to imitate me, what would be some uh, penisms, we called them in terms of my last name? What is Greg likely to say? What is Greg likely to do? So the people around me and the people around leaders have an idea, a definitive movement. I can tell them, by the way, that's Wendy because of the way she walks. I can look at this and that's the way. So there's some data points that we sometimes miss about, um, the signature we already already have. So I think that that will be one of those, you know, what what feedback do you get from people around you about not only your strengths, but what's your uh, recognizable patterns? So before we sign off this conversation, would like you to just share your predictions around the future of leadership. What does leadership look like in the next two years, three years, five years from now, from your perspective? Yeah, maybe three quick things for me. I think we're going to continue to put some expectation and challenge around leaders managing what I would call the dynamics of differences, you know, pulling people together. So all the diversity stuff, but generically is that if you have a mixture of, of anything, situations and so forth, do you have the agility to move and flex? But first of all, do you have the vision to be able to see how all those, all that complexity can come together without it being complicated? So I think that's one piece of it. I think the leaders are going to continue to be tested more around building coalitions and collaborations. And some of those collaborations are very work-related, but some of them are also just contractual. You know, you only want to work so much. You only work, you want to work from home. All those pieces where there's a collaboration between what the employee needs and wants, what the leader needs and wants, what the organization needs and wants, you know, as well. And then I do think that... Um, you know, leaders are going to have to be much more technologically um, capable because we do so much involving technology, both in the interactions, but you still have to build relationships long distance. You have to, so I think there's another demand that leaders are going to have to get increasingly more effective around. That's the technology part of it. And maybe the last one, Wendy, I think we're holding leaders and institutions more accountable for how their organizational mission impacts this broader mission of society and the world. So you can't just exist in your, in your own uh, piece of land about how you make money. 
everything around you and the ripple effects of what you do as an organization and as a leader become much more and more important. Well said. Thank you so much, Dr. Pennington, for your time. We'll watch the space, the dynamics of differences. Collaboration is a new currency. We keep having conversations, technological capability, and just, you know, organizations that are built for purpose and that are purposeful in whatever they do. It has been my joy and privilege to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time, Doctor. My pleasure as well, and I enjoy being connected to you, Wendy. Thank you. This conversation reminded me that leadership is a conscious effort. It does not happen automatically. Leaders have to be intentional in how they lead. I also learned that your strengths are foundational to your leadership signature. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you've heard and want to explore more, head on over to coachhub.com to learn how we democratize coaching across all career levels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast or Spotify or any other streaming platform, please give us a rating and leave a comment. Join me on our next episode as I speak with positive psychologist, Professor Dr. Judith Mangelsdorf as we bask in the wisdom of positive psychology about harnessing your top strength to find purpose and meaning in your work. We'll investigate important questions like how do we flourish and positively energize the workplace. From everyone at Coach Hub Studios, have a wonderful day. Happiness.